0: Good morning, church family. I am so glad that you were able to join us today in worship and praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think about March 8th, March 8th, Daylight Savings Day. And as we set our clocks forward, who would have realized when we woke up the next morning, we would be in the twilight zone, right? Everything has changed. Stores have closed down. Jobs have sent people home toilet paper has vanished from the shelves the twilight zone right schools are closed and now all parents are homeschool teachers everything has changed 2020 was supposed to be a year that we refocus right it was a year where a presidential campaign slogan was keep america great everything was going pretty good until things changed And it happened almost overnight. I remember it was a Wednesday night. I was working with the youth group. We were having a lock-in, and we were practicing for the LTC convention. We were practicing on our puppet shows and our drama. And all of a sudden, I get this text. My Dallas Mavericks, the NBA, National Basketball Association, has canceled their entire season, or at least put it on a halt, postponed it right? It's probably going to be canceled. I knew at that moment everything was changing. This LTC practice that we were doing didn't matter. There wasn't going to be an LTC convention this year. Everything had changed. But this isn't the first substantial change we've had in our world, and it certainly won't be the last. Two thousand years ago, a man named Jesus from Nazareth, did something that changed the very way we view our time. He changed everything from our history and our present and our future. Our very calendars changed and were basically formed because of this, Jesus from Nazareth. Britt talked in the Lord's Supper talk today about Palm Sunday, And it's a story of Jesus triumphantly riding on the donkey into Jerusalem to shouts and cheers of, Hosanna! He was the most popular person in the city, and everyone's saying, Who is this man? Jesus of Nazareth has come to change everything in the world. Let's read what Matthew has to say about this Jesus. Jesus said, Send two of them ahead. Go into the village over there. He said, And you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them here. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately send them. This was done to fulfill the prophecy. Tell the people of Israel, Look, your king is coming. His, he is humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus said. They brought the animals to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. He was in the center of the procession, and the crowds all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessed the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Who is this, they asked, and the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. There's a lot of videos that show Jesus as he makes his way into Jerusalem. But this video, I think, does a fantastic job Of capturing the crowd's excitement. Sure, Jesus has blue eyes in this video, which he probably didn't, but I want you just to see the crowd and I want you to listen to the things that they were saying and try to get wrapped up in the excitement because everything they're saying is fully accurate. Everything they're saying is true. And it kind of stirred my heart as I'm listening to them shouting the praises of Jesus. Let's watch this video. Jesus, you have to eat me! Welcome to our city! Hail, Jesus! I Jesus. I Jesus. I He's, you. He's on the donkey! Yeah. He's, He's the He raised Lazarus <laughs> from the dead! Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? He's a prophet. A great prophet. A prophet? On a donkey? Yeah. daughter of Zion, behold thy king, our unto thee, humble and meek. Honor to the Lord, son of David. Master, you are the hope of Israel. You are our prophet and our saviour. what was being said by the multitude of people that were surrounding Jesus as he was entering into Jerusalem. I love the quotes because each of the gospels captures different things that the people were saying about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 21, it says, the crowds that went ahead of him And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a Hebrew term for savior, or it can be translated into save us now. These were people that wanted to be saved by Jesus Christ. They wanted to be saved from their sicknesses. They wanted to be saved from this Roman empire. They knew they needed a savior. Mark chapter 11 says, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. The people knew they needed a new king. They've heard of kingdoms rising and kingdoms falling. And no empire had ever been as great as this Roman empire. And the Jews knew it was their time to rise to the top. And they wanted to be a conquering kingdom like David was with the Israelites. Luke says in 1938, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. What this is showing is this was God's plan. God had sent the Savior, the Messiah to them so that they could sing Hosanna all to fulfill God's plan of His Messiah. Matthew 21, verse 10 and 11 says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. You see, a lot of the people in the crowd, they were from northern Israel. And what they're saying here is, he's a prophet from Nazareth. Which is in Galilee. It's kind of like us in East Texas. If we had an East Texan rise to fame, we could say, Yeah, that's a good old East Texas boy. That's what they're saying. They're excited because they have one of their own that is the Messiah, that's their Savior. How incredible is that? But John gives us a little bit more information of what other parts of the crowd were like. And John. Chapter 12 verse 17 and 18 it says many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb raising him from the dead and they were telling others about it that was the reason so many went out to meet him because they heard about this miraculous sign these people saw Jesus do what nothing that, that has never been done before He raised a dead man who'd been in the grave several days. He raised him to life. And they knew if he could raise him to life, he could raise them. And they could live an eternal life. That's why they were out there following him. That's why they were calling him their Savior. That's why they were shouting, Hosanna. And every single thing that the crowd said about Jesus was true. Every single word of it was true. He was their Savior. He was going to usher in an incredible kingdom. He was going to usher in the greatest kingdom to ever exist. He was going to bring peace on earth. He was going to change the world as they knew it. And the world was now going to be marked from everything that happened before Christ to everything that happened after him that's where we get our calendar they knew he was going to change it all but their plans changed maybe their plans weren't the same as god's plans you see jesus already had enemies when he came to jerusalem matter of fact weeks before the reason that they were scared to go and see lazarus was because they knew that they were going to be killed when they came down to, to Jerusalem. Doubting Thomas, as we call him, he even said, Let's go down there. I'm willing to dive with you, Jesus. They knew they were, had some enemies in Jerusalem. And these enemies were the religious leaders. These enemies were the people that didn't like that Jesus was going to kind of butt into their business. You see, these religious leaders should have understood that he was the coming Messiah. But they were too comfortable with their powerful positions. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to believe it. And so they chose to get rid of him. They couldn't do it yet because the crowd was so excited. And they knew they couldn't arrest Jesus with this crowd that was all around him. But then Jesus does some things when he gets into town. One of the first things he does when he gets into town is he goes up to the temple and he clears out the temple from all the money changers and the people that were trying to create a business out of sacrifice. And so I'm sure those folks might not have really cared for this Jesus character that came into town. And then when he's asked about paying taxes, surely... This new king is going to tell them they don't have to pay taxes to Caesar. But what does he say? Show me a coin. Whose head is on that? Caesar's head. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God's what is God. Some people might have thought that was an incredible thing to say, and it was very deep. But maybe he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do. As they're walking away from the temple, his disciples look at how magnificent the architecture of the temple is. And they say, Look at this, Jesus, look at this great architecture. And he tells them, No stone's going to be unturned. That temple's going to come tumbling down. When he's questioned about the future, Jesus speaks about wars, about famines, about natural disasters about persecution of his followers. These are starting to sound like things that I'm sure his followers didn't want to hear. They wanted a triumphant Jesus. But maybe that's not God's plan. At least how they saw what, how God was going to f- carry out his plan. Was this really the king they hoped for? Was this really the Messiah they were promised? I asked several people, what do they think happened in the few days between the triumphal entry and the execution of Jesus from Nazareth? And some of them said, it was just a different crowd. Jesus was held in a kangaroo court. It was a fake trial. It happened in the middle of the night and it was a different crowd. And that's true. All that did happen. They they did take him, arrest him at night so no one could see, to, to make sure the crowd was tampered down a little bit. That's a true statement. Other people that I talked to said they started to listen to the chatter of the religious leaders. They knew who the Messiah was. They knew with their very own eyes that they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. But they started listening to other people. Some people said they succumbed to one of the most natural of all human emotions, fear. When they saw Jesus arrested, when they saw him beaten, they knew they didn't want that in their own life. They knew they couldn't handle that. They thought Jesus was going to raise up against them. But he didn't. He went silently, as Isaiah said, like a lamb to the slaughter. I think everyone was correct. And I think every one of those answers was accurate. I don't know if there was one thing that kept Jesus or kept the crowds from following Jesus, from resisting the religious authorities at the time. Because they were powerful enough to do it. But all of a sudden, when Jesus was on the cross, he was all alone. John chapter 12, verse 42 says, Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of the or they loved human praise more than they loved praise from God. They chose to deny the Savior of the world so they could get a pat on the back from other humans that could do no more than kick them out of the synagogue. It's really sad. Jesus was all alone on the cross. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do mention some of the women were there, but they were looking upon Jesus from afar. And even John says he was there, and you know there's the account of when he talked to Jesus. Maybe John was hiding himself, and that's why the other apostles didn't know that he was there. Maybe he was hiding in the crowd. But they were looking from afar, and if we see the resurrection, we know that darkness covered the, covered the sky, and we know there were earthquakes, and we know that the curtain's temple was, was torn in two, and some scary things started happening. I'm sure the crowd started dissipating, and we see even from Luke's account, in Luke 23, verse 48 and 49, it says, When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breast. And went away. But all of those who knew him, including the women who followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Maybe as the crowd went away and they knew it was safe, maybe at that time they came to Jesus. And that's when you have the story of John and Jesus' mother, and Jesus asking John to take care of his mother. But I think before that time, he's by himself. He's all alone. So what do we learn from all this? You see, our plans are not always going to work out. If you are a basketball fan and you like March Madness... You didn't get any of that this year. Last month, no March Madness. Now, if you really want to fill out a bracket, you can talk to uh, Jason Bragg. Over here is a little Debbie's bracket, and I'm really hoping Zebra Cakes uh, edges out oatmeal cream pie, but I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough one. You see, things change in this world. Lots of things change, and you might be wondering... Where is God in all of this? Where is God and what should my role be? And should I move away from God at this time? Or should I move closer to Him? You see, several people, when times got tough, they chose to abandon God. And some still believed in Him, but they were far off. From him. See, Jesus even had fear at this time, but what did he do? When he was scared, when he was anxious, when he was torn up about what was going on, he drew close to God and he remembered what his purpose was. It's pretty interesting. There were some Greek people that wanted to meet Jesus right after he comes into the city. And John gives this interesting idea of, of the Greek folks. And I don't know if they were uh, converts to Judaism or if they were just in town for the, for the Passover. But I think it's very fitting for how Jesus responds to their request to meet with him. In John chapter 12, verse 23... What I think Jesus is saying there, and especially I think it's with the Greek people coming, those that might not have had Jewish heritage, he's saying it is better that I die, that I leave you. Instead of being this incredible king, this incredible king that can rule over you right here, it's better that I die so that everyone can be saved. And he says, just like me, You need to die, you need to hate your life, you need to leave your old life behind and be resurrected into a new life in Jesus Christ. How symbolic is that for us, to realize that we can die to ourselves and we practice that in baptism, right? We die to ourselves and we're raised to a new life, a better life in Jesus Christ, an eternal life in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus told his disciples over and over and over again his plan that was he was supposed to come here and he was supposed to die. But none of them got it because it wasn't in their plans until he was resurrected. Until he came into his glory. Jesus calls us to live that same life, live a life in him, right? And when we live a life in Jesus Christ, when we have this life in him, or we have a life that we don't have to worry about our future because we know our future can be eternal with him. We don't have to sit and look at the numbers of how many people are suffering or the numbers of of what the economy is doing. Because we know where our true future is. You see, we still need to be smart. And the first person to implement social distancing or implement self-quarantine is God in the Old Testament. He understood disease. He still understands disease right now. And I think it's a good thing that we can stay apart. It's a biblical thing, right? God's understood viruses and disease much longer than any doctor has. And so we're following God's plan right now. But I love how N.T. Wright stated how we should be during these tough times. N.T. Wright says, we should acknowledge our fear and we should ask God for help. And then pray to God, just as Jesus taught us, Thy will be done. When we do this, an amazing thing happens. The power that fear holds over us will if not be eliminated, is at least diminished so we can find the strength to carry on. Aren't those incredible words? When we realize our hands are in God's, and we know where our future is, we don't have to have the worry. But we have to continue to draw close to God. As Jesus entered in Jerusalem, he got to feel the admiration of the crowd, but he also got to experience the fear of rejection, loss, and even death. But what did he do in those times of joy and those times of sorrow? He drew closer to God. When you understand God's plan, everything works out a little bit better in our life. Our anxiety can go away. Our fears and worries can go away because we can understand that our plans are not always God's plans. But if we're living by God's plans, everything's going to be okay. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14 says, Because we were united, or we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. God's purpose was that the Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised a long time ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise God. And glorify Him. Jesus had this plan the entire time. God had this plan the entire time that He was going to give His life for us so that we could be with Him forever. His plan has never changed. Sometimes our plans need to change. If you're like me, you're at home and you're playing board games with your family. And one of the games we like to play is Mexican Train. And in Mexican Train, it's a domino game and you try to line up all the dots to match each other and be the first one to go out. In this game, it's real funny because one of the things that you hear over and over again is, I'm working on my plan or you ruined my plan. It's, all, it's a game all about a plan. Sometimes people will say, Sydney says, I have no plan. And she won, I don't know. So maybe we should just stick with no plan sometimes. But I think plans are good as well. You see, our plans are going to change. And someone's going to come and they'll throw a domino on your place. And you're going to have to change your plan. You can either give up and say, I don't want to play anymore. Or you can move forward. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to move forward He wants us to grow closer to Him, and He wants us to use these opportunities to draw close to Him. Right now, so many of you are at home, and you have a little bit more time on your hands. If that's you, use this time to draw closer to God. Pray to Him more. Study His Word more. Pray for other people that are struggling. We got plenty of those. We got plenty of prayer requests that we can, uh, we can pray about. Make sure you spend that time in prayer and study with God. Because when we draw close to Him, our life is better. And we f- start following into God's plan. A lot of you are home and get to spend more time with your family. Work on your relationship with your spouse. Work on your relationship with your kids. Teach your spouse and your kids how great our God is, right? We have this time that we can become the spiritual guides of our families once again. Reach out to those that are lonely. Shirley Carr asked for some cards or her daughter asked us if we could send some cards to her. Let's do that. Let's send some cards to her. Let's send some cards to those that are confined. Because they need the love of their brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a time that we come back to God. John chapter 12, verse 44 says, Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you're... You are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to the darkness in this dark world, so that, that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but do not obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment. By the truth I have spoken. What God wants for us right now, in order to glorify Him, is we need to put our trust in God. We put our trust in God, and verse 47 shows us that He understands that even when we stumble, He's still going to forgive us, He's still going to love us, He understands that we are going to stumble. But don't stop that from putting your trust in him. And when we do that, we can be like the crowds as Jesus is walking into Jerusalem, and we can shout, Hosanna! Praise the Son of David! Hosanna in the highest! Just like we sang before the worship. Savior, God, save us now. Do you need to make God your Savior? If you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ, we can do that. You can call us up. You can let us know what you need. And if you want that, if you have that desire to be baptized into him, we can baptize you. But you might have prayer requests because maybe this is a time that you strayed a little bit away from God and you want to come back to him and you want the prayers of the church. Send us a prayer request. You can send that to prayers at kilgorechurch.com or you can call me, my number's right there, 903-445-9701. If you have any prayers that you need, let us know. Let your church family know. If you want to join a church family, we hope that uh, you you can be part of this one. We're here for you. Whatever your need, give us a call, send us a message, respond to him at this time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us, and we thank you that you sent us a Savior. Help us to draw near to him in this time. We pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen.